press. I think the reality right now is that the Chinese government still wants to see its major technologies be successful and continue to grow and make money because that's a good thing for the Chinese economy. But they want to be very, very clear to those companies that they still have to adhere to Chinese laws and regulations and that they can't step out of line. And so if they get too big, if they're in a monopoly position or if their CEO has a little bit too much of a cult personality, that can then be a real problem for investors. Ben, thanks very much for an interesting discussion and have a very happy Chinese New Year. That's Ben Cavender, Principal at the China Market Research Group up in Shanghai. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Asian markets are kicking off a new week to the upside. The ASX 200 in Australia up half a percent. Over in Japan, the Nikkei 225 moving further ahead now up 1.6%. The Cosby in South Korea uh, is down, though, about 0.6%. And here in Hong Kong, futures markets indicating about a 200-point gain for the Hang Seng at the open. That's about uh, three-quarters of 1%. Brent crude oil trading at $59.91 a barrel right now. And gold uh, is at $1,815 an ounce. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Stay tuned for Back Chats. Hugh Triverton and Mike Rouse coming up in just a moment. The weather forecast, sunny periods. It's going to be warm during the day. Maximum temperature of about 24 degrees. And the outlook is for showers, which will become frequent later tomorrow. The rain will be heavy at times on Wednesday. And then the weather improving and warm during the Lunar New Year's Eve and the Lunar New Year holidays. Temperature right now is 18 degrees, 84% relative humidity. Time's 8.31 and a half. Here's Samantha Butler. Results from COVID-19 tests are still coming in after authorities ended overnight lockdowns at three residential blocks in Mongkok, Quarry Bay and Hongham. The lockdowns ended between 6.30 and 7.30 this morning. Around 370 residents were tested in Hongham and one preliminary case was found. More than 1,100 people were tested in Mongkok and results there are still being verified. And three preliminary cases were found after about 860 people were tested in Quarry Bay. Police have warned of a new kind of romance and investment scam with victims' losses last year totaling $85 million. Officers say con artists meet people online, form a relationship and persuade the victims to invest in dubious mobile phone apps controlled by the syndicates. Among the 181 cases last year, 80% of the victims were women. Alan Chu is a police chief inspector. They involve the element of investment or gambling. So uh, this is also their new MO to deceive those victims because some victims will receive some incomes or profit after investment. So uh, this is how the scammers ask the victim to pay more to invest into their, their plan. So uh, we do say that we are having an increasing trend. President Biden says there's no reason for the United States to be drawn into direct conflict with China. He told CBS television both sides would engage in what he called an extreme competition. I've said to him all along that uh, we need not have a uh, 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 conflict, but there's going to be an extreme competition. And uh, I'm not going to do it the way that he knows this because he's a sending signals as well that I'm not going to do it the way Trump did. We're going to focus on international rules of the road. Mr. Biden said he'd not spoken to his Chinese counterpart since becoming president and he'd not changed his stance towards Beijing.
The top infectious disease expert in the United States, Anthony Fauci, has indicated he's not in favour of delaying the second doses of the coronavirus vaccines currently available. Dr Fauci said the science wasn't clear on the issue and the available solid data related to the second jabs being administered either 21 or 28 days after the first. He said he believed it would become easier to administer both first and second doses within the specified time scale. If you look at the escalation of availability of doses purely on the ability of manufacturing that, it's going to escalate and will continue to escalate as we go from February to March to April and beyond. So even though there's a clear discrepancy between the demand and the supply, that will get better. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. Today we're talking about new doctors in Hong Kong and about minimum wage. Well, the Food and Health Bureau on Thursday proposed to set up a committee to draw a list of 100 medical schools abroad to allow their graduates to come and practice in the SAR. This comes after Carrie Lam said the government will table a proposal to change the law to facilitate the return of doctors from abroad to help ease the shortage in the territory's public hospitals. There would be three main requirements for applicants. They must be permanent residents. Uh, They must be graduates of recognised non-local medical schools and registered as doctors of specialist qualifications outside Hong Kong and must work here in the public health system for five years before getting their specialist qualifications. But the President of the Medical Association said according to the basic law is for professional organisations to determine examinations and registration matters. So how serious is the shortage in Hong Kong? Do you support these measures to bring in more doctors? Should it be limited to permanent residents if we really want to attract talent? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can call us on 233 You can email backchat at rthk.hk. And uh, after 9.15, as I say, we're going to be talking about uh, minimum wage, which is to remain unchanged. Uh, we'll be hearing thoughts on that later. Once again, email Backchat.rthk.hk. Just start uh, briefly with some uh, emails related to our discussion from last week. Uh, CW says, where are Kevin Young's children educated? Uh, Scott says, this is because we had some uh, beeping on the uh, line when we were talking about uh, education issues on Friday. Um, Scott says, whoever is hacking your telephone lines isn't doing a great job. Uh, Jim says, just uh, following up on a discussion. Yeah, Mike, yeah. Why hack a... A telephone line when you can hear the person talking on air? Yeah, I think it's a joke, really. <laughs> okay. uh, Jim, uh, following up on the discussion uh, th- we were having uh, last week, says, I remember the British Prime Minister made her speech after returning to Hong Kong following her Beijing trip. She made her declaration in Hong Kong. The next day, China told Britain that the 99-year lease would not be extended and the British agreed to leave in 1997. Um uh, Anthony says there is absolutely no excuse for continued school closures. The science has shown since last summer that schools can safely reopen. We should do what's best for Hong Kong children by making an unambiguous call to reopen. Hashtag baby Blake needs good to go back to school, period. And uh, Bowen says, Steer back chat, referring to last Friday's show, the agreed practice in Johnny's office of him coughing up $20 every time CCP is mentioned by Matthew gives us some insight 
insight into his office's political climate and background. His jibe about my alleged prolixity seems to have origins in the same camp as Herman's, argumentum ad hominem. The statistics provided in my message of the 22nd of December still hold true. Last but not least, while I have no opinion on the contents of listener Mike's recent contributions, I think they've always been clearly articulated, well written if it's an email, as well as backed by research in some detail. Characteristics missing in many of the messages read out in the show. I therefore doubt that previous calls to shut out or cut short Mike's input is warranted. Comments of different persuasions should be welcomed in back chat, provided they are factually accurate, civil and cogently argued. That is from Bowen. Thanks very much indeed. Backchat at rthk.hk. We're joined now by Dr. Panpe Cho, uh, former Vice President of the Federation of uh, Trade Unions, and Dr. Marcus Marcet, an honorary uh, clinical assistant professor in the Department of Ophthalmology at the University of Hong Kong and a specialist in ophthalmology at the Hong Kong Sanatorium and Hospital. Do you want to make a declaration? Uh, yes, I just want to say good morning to Dr. Marcet and thanks for fixing my eye. All right. <laughs> okay, a patient. Dr. Pan, uh, good morning to you and thanks for, for joining us once again. Pan Pecho, uh, what, what do you make of this uh, proposal from the administration? Um, I think that um, uh, uh, I think of course from a, a member of the medical profession point of view, uh, of course I know a lot of uh, doctors feel quite worried about this uh, recent proposal. Uh, but I think I also uh, speak from the point of view of uh, a member of the public. I think that uh, if the criteria is uh, stick to, and then I think that this should be uh, uh, a good thing, right, for for everyone, uh, including the uh, the medical profession, right. Uh, I think that um, no uh, professional group, right, uh, is above the community at large, right. So I think that when as a as a professional group, uh, doctors have to think about what is best for the community first, right. Uh, of course, there's also uh, professional interest, but I think this should be put in the second position. I think to have, uh, say, specialists, um, say, people who have uh, attained specialist uh, qualification coming from uh, reputable uh, overseas uh, 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 training uh, 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 academic uh, uh, bodies, right, then I think that uh, this would uh, help to enrich our, say, say the, the, the medical profession here. Uh, and also it can provide some uh, competition, right? Uh, so that overall will be healthy, right? But of course, when we have to be careful that uh, if you say set the uh, set criteria too loose and then there were a lot of doctors coming in, then uh, of course this will uh, say affect the, the uh, privileges of the, of, the, of the profession. But on the other hand, this will not be good for the community because if say uh, we cannot attract uh, uh, talented uh, young people to, to uh, go and study medicine in Hong Kong, uh, then this will eventually harm, the, the say, the, the local community in terms of health care. Dr. Pan, good morning. Um, good morning. Yes. We, we seem to have been talking about this for, for all our lives. Uh, to, to ordinary members of the public, it seems a pretty obvious thing to do. If someone's graduated from one of the top medical schools in the world... Um, mm -hmm. You know, we should be fortunate that they want to come and work here. But why has <laughs> it taken so long? Yes. Um, now, I think that we have actually, Hong Kong has adopted, uh, say, 
the old British system, right, which uh, of uh, say professional autonomy, right. And uh, in the past, right, in colonial days, uh, uh, say people who are qualified in the Commonwealth, right, can come to right. Hong Kong and work, right. Uh, but after 1997, right, this uh, line was uh, also closed, right. I think uh, originally there was because um, uh, the medical profession and also say the public is also was afraid that uh, there will be an influx of uh, uh, doctors who you don't know where they were trained, right. So as a result, right, it's fair, right, to uh, subject everyone to go through a professional examination, right. I think well qualified, uh, uh, say uh, doctors who have the motivation to work in Hong Kong uh, usually get uh, past those examinations, the, the licentiate examinations, right? Uh, but what happens for, for people who, uh, who, for example, who are too busy right, to prepare for the exam, and, uh, but who also have an interest to come back to Hong Kong, right? Uh, who are permanent residents of Hong Kong, and they sort of, they, they want to come and, and work here, right? To be close to their families or whatever, right? So uh, I think that uh, we, we have to think in terms of this, right? But of course, now we, we have uh, become part of China, uh, returned to China. And so, uh, in a sense, the old criteria of, uh, say, opening the door only to Commonwealth uh, uh, countries, right, uh, it, it would not work, right? So we have to work out a new set of, uh, say, criteria and also institutions that we would accept. Right. I think that is fair. Right. So, so under this proposal, yeah, the people who are who are basically, you know, Hong Kong people who studied overseas would be allowed to come back to Hong Kong, but they'd have to work in the public sector for five years. As you say, at the moment, there is a scheme whereby, um, so, so as I understand, anyone, uh, anyone who's qualified overseas, is that right, can come to Hong Kong, pass the exam, uh, and then practice in Hong Kong. Do they? Uh, and if that's true, do they have to have a five years service? In public uh, hospitals? No, that that is not the case. What happens under the licentiate uh, uh, scheme is that uh, people who are they they have to first of all they have to be graduated from a certain list of uh, mm-hmm. of universities, right? So, but the the this is actually quite uh, the the number is quite big, right? So, um, and then they can sit for the licentiate examination. After they have the examination, then they uh, become an intern. Uh, in the in the public hospital right for one year, and then after that, uh, well, effectively they can they can just practice. They they can uh, open their own clinic right and state their qualification as uh, having uh, the licentiate uh, certificate. Well, I, I'm just thinking that you. I mean, you said that some people would would be too busy to take the licentiate exams, but then under this scheme, they'd have to have five years working in the public sector. So. That seem that, uh, how, who who would be attracted by that? Well, first of all, I mean they. First of all, now they, for example, uh, if someone who is working in an overseas country, right, and then the, they may not, they may be very busy with their current job, right. For example, in the UK, right, and then they may not have the time, right, to to prepare for the exam, right. But once he takes the exam, and then the, uh, and then he got the, the certificate, then of course he can come back to Hong Kong. Under the new scheme, I think the, the, the same thing applies now. Of course, this person will have to quit his or her job in the UK and then come back to Hong Kong and, uh, and uh, work under the scheme in the public hospital for five years. 
and they they still got paid, right? They still get a very busy job on, on hand. So that is the difference. Doctor Pang, mm. can you remind us what what was the pass rate for the licentiate exam? Um, it actually fluctuates quite a lot uh, over the years. Um, I haven't got the, the latest pass rate, but I think that um, say after 1997, uh, we have noticed uh, a drop in the rate um, because now the, the licentiate examination I think was there uh, before the before 1997. Right after 1997, um, the, the figure came down, the passing rate came down. Uh, quite significantly, right, to a point when uh, I think I remember uh, having those figures. It came down to a single digit, right? Uh, that was about, say, something like uh, 15 years. Uh, uh, you mean, sorry, single digit percentage? Yes. Percentage, yeah, yeah single yeah. digit, right? So so th that was quite harsh, right? But as far as I know, this uh, passing rate has, has came up again, right, after that. Right. But I, can't, I don't have the current figure in hand. Okay. Um, Dr. Marset, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very Thanks much for indeed for, for, for joining us. What, what are your thoughts on this? Do you support the, uh, the proposal? Uh, well, so I, I had commented before, I think it's a complicated issue. But mm -hmm. to summarize that viewpoint, I definitely don't support the proposal. Um, and there's a number of issues with it. I'm an overseas doctor, actually, and I'm a little bit shocked that our community hasn't been uh, asked about this a little bit more along the roads. I, I noticed that um, I moved here in 2010, and um, I did the examination, I completed the examination, this, this exam that we're talking about while I was working full time at the University of Hong Kong as a faculty seeing patients at Queen Mary Hospital. And during that time, while I was working full-time, I would study at night and, and prepare for the exam, and I passed it on the first try. Um, so, and I think maybe, I'm, you know, and I'm, from, I'm an ophthalmologist, so it's not a core field as part of the exam. The core fields being fields like medicine and pediatrics. If you're a pediatrician, for example, it would be an advantage taking the exam. Having said all that, I was able to pass. Uh, I'm, it's not some kind of magic that I did. I just studied uh, intensively for it. I took it very seriously. I valued the Hong Kong system here since, since I first visited in 2005. I was really impressed with the system then, and I'm coming from the United States. And uh, when I moved here in 2010, I, I, I invested myself, and a lot of us, our community does the same. They take it seriously. It's not that they're too busy. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not that they're too busy at all. If you're really interested and you care about Hong Kong and being here on Hong Kong's terms, what we have is not the colonial era anymore. And in some ways, it's hard to believe. I mean, if this were introduced in another jurisdiction, I think people would be incredulous at the idea of just wading through people that aren't qualified in that jurisdiction. Every jurisdiction has a right to... To, to decide who, who, who qualifies or not. I mean, I, in the United States, I'm used to this notion because there's 50 different, 50, five zero different jurisdictions, and each one has its own forms and criteria, and that's respected and recognized, and that's just within the United States. So the notion of a, a medical licensing jurisdiction deciding on which candidates are going to practice here is not an original idea. It's it's the norm in most of the developed world, and I see remnants of colonialism in the current proposal, and it's disturbing. 
I, Singapore seems to make the system work. Everybody loves bringing up the Singapore example. This is not Singapore. It's a much more complicated environment politically. And by having a fair and objective measure of who can get into Hong Kong to practice and, and have that privilege of serving Hong Kong's patients, uh, that's the only way, really. Once you start introducing lists and setting up committees to decide on things, nothing is more fair, pure, and objective than having an exam and having candidates that are motivated. Uh, so having a too busy of a candidate elsewhere doesn't say much about the, the motivations of that candidate. Um, I think Hong Kong's patients deserve the best. And, you know, I, I see that the proposal is couched in a lot of language that confuses the issue. We're talking about shortages and things like that. I, you know, the narrative of a shortage I don't necessarily buy into. Everybody forgets to quote, Taiwan also has a 1.9 ratio, seems to be doing okay. Hong Kong has an excellent system. And so we hear a one-sided story about a shortage because the patients, the, the people, the doctors that work there are muzzled from even speaking about what they do. When I was an intern, for example, um, I learned, you know, words like uh, about drawing blood and, and, and uh, sending faxes and, and gophering messages over to different departments. It doesn't take a medical degree to, to send a fax or to curry messages, you know, hand deliver messages to other departments. That's the work of an intern. So it's hard for me to even believe that there's an actual shortage when that's the kind of work that doctors are having, to, especially on the lower rung of the ladder, that they're having to do. Sorry, just going back to your point yeah, about the jurisdiction, sorry. You're saying you're used to the practice in the United States, but does each state have its own exam? Each state doesn't have it. There's a, a national uh, exam called the USMLE, and that's the one that either overseas or domestic uh, take. Mm. Dr. Pan, uh, yes. do you want to respond? Well, I think that uh, I agree with uh, what uh, uh, Marcus had said. Uh, uh, I, I mean, uh, that that is correct, right? Uh, that uh, for most, uh, say, uh, developed countries, uh, they have, um, say, uh, professional exams, right? To, uh, say, for people who, who wish to, to go there and, and work there. Uh, but on the other hand, I think for... Uh, because now for a country where they have a hardship in, uh, say, recruiting, uh, say, doctors to work in certain positions, right? for example, in the public, uh, in the, in the uh, say, the, uh, in, in, in the, say, uh, uh, remote areas, right, away from the cities, right, they, they do have some uh, exemptions, right, uh, for people who can go there and work, or say, on a, uh, on a say, provisional registration basis, right? Uh, so that that will be something uh, a bit sort of similar to to the scheme that uh, the government seems to be proposing, right? So people who have to work in the pub in the public system, right, for so many years, this will be uh, uh, similar to uh, systems uh, running in countries like Australia, uh, New Zealand, right, for example, uh, where they have some difficulty in recruiting enough doctors in their system. Yeah. Marcus, how how do you face Can up I to the argument? Yeah, sure. The, this notion of difficulty in recruiting, I, I, I respectfully disagree on, at least from what I've encountered. 
for example, it was one of the officials from the public sector that went and has proudly met with groups of doctors, or at least she thought they were doctors overseas. And I know those groups. They're student, they're medical student groups, years away from graduation. So it's hard to really see how like an effective effort has been made at recruit. If there's even, like I said, I think that buying into the notion of a general shortage is is uh, is inaccurate. Uh, if there's specific ones, I, I, I personally, and I, I know that most doctors, we get recruiter emails, like actual agencies that go out and they're always asking, you know, they have a job and they're asking, I would wonder, has an actual recruiting agency actually been employed to, to find a doctor? That's the normal route that practices take when they have a specific need for one specific type of specialist, for example. Um, sorry, go well, ahead. I know you had a question. I did. I, the, the argument as seen from the public, is that these barriers to highly skilled people from overseas coming here are really just protectionist measures. What, what's your answer to that? Well, I mean, those are the words barriers and the word protectionism are highly charged terms that, and I know you're just you're quoting what you've heard, so I, I won't take issue with that, but sometimes those are used to... Um, for manipulating a certain political agenda, and I don't even know what that would be, but I do find that universally among doctors, uh, that's a that's a that's a charge term, and it's it's downright offensive for those of us. There's actually 1,200 of us that have sat down, busted our butts, and studied for that exam, and took it seriously, and and respected that Hong Kong has this mechanism in place. Whatever you want to label attached to it. That's what they have, and it's the system that a lot of us um, saw and think works great. And, and I study for that, and a lot of us have too. I speak for our community when I say that, that we've taken it seriously. We surveyed our community back in 2019 on the issue, and we didn't realize that there was this kind of pervasive uh, respect for the exam that was among the candidates as well as the doctors that have already taken it. People recognize we're doctors we know we have to take exams and that's something we do and yeah okay D D dr pan you know what do you make of what dr Mosset is saying if you want to work in hong kong you've got to uh, you've got to earn it um, you've got to take an exam like everybody else it's yes i think that uh, that is the general principle that uh, i mean we uh, say we, we like i mean we agree right uh, say for but on the other hand i think that uh, we have to uh, situate right now right so uh i think there is uh, a shortage of uh, doctors in the in the public system right uh, i think actually people working in public hospitals that i know right uh, they are not actually against the idea of having say overseas trained doctors working uh, as you see right now there is a scheme right for people to come and work right under certain restrictions already right so uh, but the, the problem is that because it is uh, the, there, there are so few people, right, who can go through this process, right? So, uh, so actually, the the number of overseas trained doctors uh, who are recruited through this way is uh, is very small, very very small. Uh, they can't actually help to relieve the uh, shortage in in the many of the of the departments, right? So I think that uh, uh, I, I think the government is actually right to to, to think about uh, say other ways right, of uh, uh, in relieving the the manpower shortage. Right. Uh, of course, I mean, uh, say p 
people who. Uh, I, I mean, if there, if there are specific vacancies for for specialists, then uh, you you can't you just go out and recruit them like you would any other kind of uh, profession. Uh, if you want a, uh, a particular kind of person, you you go out and you, in, you advertise internationally. This is um, uh, one way of looking at it, but but we have tried, right? So and uh, it seems that uh, it's not that effective, right? So I think that uh, so I think the, we have to think about other possibilities. If it wouldn't, if you so, went out and looked for a children's heart specialist, um, okay, you might right. find one, but yeah. then you say, oh, by the way, you've now got to take this exam. Well, it can work under limited registration. That's how I worked mm. here. I worked here for over six years on limited registration. Uh, one of the things, though, is that, I mean, it, it, you know, like for specific ones, I the, 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 the efforts that have been made, at least the ones that I've seen, haven't really uh, been effective uh, because when you meet with people that are years away from graduation, then I just don't see that they're in the job market at that time. Right. The other thing is that there is a human resources issue, and I see it, it's like history repeating itself, okay? You have thousands of doctors that work in the public sector, not necessarily very happy. They're plotting their days, some of them, of when they can go private. Not all of them, of course, but a significant number, a number enough of a number that the, that the public sector is trying to recruit outside ones to replace them. And, you know, they're just bringing them in. They don't care where, what jurisdiction, as long as they're on their, according to the proposal, as long as they're on the list. So it's a, it's a slightly like a food and beverage meat importation strategy. And then what happens when those are dissatisfied? What I really see here is ignoring the underlying issue, the root cause of that there's a human resources deeply within that sector, and that's not being addressed. Okay. That's probably the main point here that's being missed, I would say. Okay. Well, Dr. Gabriel Choi from the Medical Association will be joining us after the news at nine. For the moment, we say goodbye. Thank you for mentioning to Dr. Pampe Cho, uh, doctor, former vice uh, president of the uh, Federation of Trade Unions, and Dr. Marcus Marset, now an honorary clinical assistant professor, Department of Ophthalmology at Hong Kong U, and a specialist at the Hong Kong Sanatorium. The weather, sunny periods, 19 degrees now. Relative humidity is at 84%. 21 or 28 days after the first. He said he believed it would be easier to administer both first and second doses within the specified time scale. If you look at the escalation of availability of doses purely on the ability of manufacturing that, it's going to escalate and will continue to escalate as we go from February to March to April and beyond. So even though there's a clear discrepancy between the demand and the supply, that will get better. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back chat this Monday morning with Mike Rouse and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about uh, doctors practicing uh, in Hong Kong. This is on the back of a proposal from the uh, from Carrie Lam uh, to uh, change the law to uh, make it easier for uh, doctors uh, from uh, overseas who practiced. I mean, they have to have permanent residency in Hong Kong, so they're basically Hong Kongers, but they've studied uh, overseas, and it makes it easier for them to uh, study uh, to practice back in uh, Hong Kong after working for five years 
issues in the public health system. Uh, we were talking to uh, Pam Cho and Dr. Marcus Marset in the first part of the programme. We're joined now by Dr. Gabriel Choi, who's president of the Hong Kong Medical Association. Uh, later, we're going to be talking about uh, the minimum wage uh, as well. Backchat at rthk.hk is our email address. Uh, drop us a line. We'll do our best to read out your messages. Uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page and everyone can see what you write there. Um, or you can call us on 233-88266 and put your views directly. Um, OK, we should say that uh, uh, I think there's a sort of a common theme in the, in the comments. Uh, Johnny says, this is in Johnny in Taitam, uh, says, I fully support this. Uh, ooh, this is long overdue as the close-minded small circle of Hong Kong qualified doctors have been shutting out their overseas peers. Some are far more qualified than they are to work in Hong Kong for their own self-interest. This is simply greed. This contributed to the extremely high cost of medical services in Hong Kong and healthcare and health insurance in the private sector as well as huge subsidies the government has to provide to the public hospitals. With the migrant trend expected to happen in Hong Kong in the next few years such drain is likely going to happen in the medical industry and medical practitioners first. We need to attract more qualified doctors to Hong Kong. We cannot have a one-way exodus and block incoming doctors to replace the void. Neil says, prior to 1997, a doctor trained in the UK could register in Hong Kong and practice. This was changed with a handover. A UK-trained doctor now has to pass an exam in Hong Kong before being licensed to practice. This exam is extremely difficult with a very low pass rate and Hong Kong universities fail to provide sufficient graduate places to study medicine. Both the exams and the university departments were run by doctors. The closed shop and shortage was created by doctors, ensuring demand for their services and salaries remained high, while overall experience was reduced. My youngest was very ill in 2012. Our paediatrician could not identify the illness. We spent five days in a private hospital having test after test with no result. It was recommended we go to the government hospital, which we did, and still no doctor could identify what was wrong. A friend gave me a contact, an American doctor in Cambodia, armed with a photo and test results. He gave me a diagnosis in five minutes. We were transferred to the Infectious Disease Centre in St. Margaret Hospital, where a doctor from an ethnic minority immediately recognised the infection and gave treatment. The change was dramatic. In five years, my youngest was released well on the way to recovery. The present closed shop reduces the amount of experience sharing among doctors. A wider breadth of medical experience, if nothing else, should be a good enough reason to open the closed shop that is uh, from... Uh, Neil CW says other countries allow foreign trained doctors to work like Singapore why is Hong Kong so special this cosy self-serving arrangement has to end and a proper scheme has to be put in place uh, and Mike says the American doctor, that's, who, that's Dr. Marset in the first part of the programme was the most politically correct speaker we've had this morning, it almost made me vomit says uh, Mike. Thanks very much indeed uh, for that. Once again, backchat at rthk.hk is our email address. Dr Choi, good morning to you. Morning. Uh, so you have spoken a against the proposal from the uh, administration. Why? What's your problem with it? Well, we have a system here that uh, ensures only doctors uh, with uh, minimum standards uh, can practice here. So uh, before 1997, uh, the system was that uh, Commonwealth doctors can practice in Hong Kong. But this is a reciprocal recognition uh, system in which uh, we can, we Hong Kong doctors can practice in Commonwealth countries and they can also practice in uh, Hong Kong. After 1997, with the takeover, uh, 
Hong Kong no longer being a colonial uh, city, uh, no, no longer this privilege. So uh, this system was changed to an examination worldwide system. So uh, all doctors from all over the world set the same examination. For the figures that uh, was asked just now, the pass rate, uh, or the recent pass rate for uh, Commonwealth doctors was around 45%, and that for uh, China doctors was uh, around 15%. And that uh, lowers the figure uh, significantly, uh, which Dr. Penn uh, mentioned about the figures, when he mentioned about figures. Um, the, the, the examination system uh, was uh, initiated by the Medical Council of Hong Kong. And uh, Medical Council of Hong Kong has half of the members are appointed and half are elected by the profession. So uh, this system uh, uh, initially uh, Beijing and the um, Hong Kong, China, Macau um, Home Affairs uh, has uh, agreed and uh, put down in the basic law, Article 142, that the, account, the government of the SAR shall continue to recognize the profession and the professional organizations recognized prior to the establishment of the region. And these organizations may, on their own, assert and confer professional qualifications. So for Caroline to unilaterally decide on a change of, on a change of the system without consulting the organization which is supposed uh, to uh, look at the examination system, uh, this is... This was the sort of out of the blue source, and uh, we do not think this is uh, appropriate. Dr. Uh, Choi, is this basically a reciprocity issue? Which one? You're talking about the reciprocity? In the sense of American doctors coming here, and if they could come in easily, could you go to America easily? No, we have to take the exam. Right. And uh, uh, the American doctors prior to 1997 also had to take the exam. The American doctors were not exempted like the Commonwealth doctors. Right, but so, pre previously then you could have worked in Australia without further ado if they were part of the we, Commonwealth? We allow Australian doctors to work in Hong Kong right. at that time. So we can work in Australia without further ado until sometime in the early uh, 1990s when they uh, realized that uh, Hong Kong is going to change. So they... Uh, they closed down the uh, the Hong Kong uh, uh, sites uh, for doctors. Do you think then the the government faces the possibility of a challenge legally? Uh, legally, yes, but uh, I doubt with the current system uh, or the uh, current dominant dominating uh, government, uh, there will be a legal challenge. It's going to be a waste of money. Uh, so uh, I I think the profession uh, will. Uh, we'll submit, but uh, uh, but we will make our stand very clear that this is not the way to go. If you remember 2003, 2002, uh, government uh, did not have enough money to hire all graduate doctors. So a significant percentage, maybe 30-40% uh, of those uh, who did the internship had to go out into, into private practice. There were the chance of having to stay in HA to uh, continue training. So, uh, and just to supplement what the other speakers have said, this uh, current scheme is not just for uh, specialists. It's for specialists as well as newly qualified doctors. So newly qualified doctors will come to Hong Kong and uh, get 
training program in the XJ. Now this will uh, that this may cause uh, competition between local graduates, which will number over 600 in a couple of years' time uh, yearly. Uh, the, the competition for training position is very fierce right now because uh, there's not enough trainers and not enough patients uh, for the trainees to work on. So you you're saying, in fact, that we've We've addressed the shortage problem and the solution is coming. Uh, I don't think the solution is coming. I think uh, government is going to face, uh, is going to, with 600 more or more graduates every year, government is going to face in a few years' time uh, oversupply of medical right. doctors. So we'll have enough local doctors. We don't need this. Is that, is that, is that what you're saying? should have a plan and make it clear that they, they are able to supply to support financially uh, all those graduates from overseas and local and they will not turn, turn away uh, our local graduates who study so hard to earn a place in medical school and, uh, and, and in the system uh, when time comes but, but a lot of our listeners and a lot of other people will say that this is just self-serving by the doctors, the, the, the established doctors uh, well, in, in Hong it, Kong, it, it, that they've put, up, they've put up this exam which has this pass rate, you said, of 15% from, for, for China doctors. 85% of uh, doctors you know, fail this exam who, who, who come from China. It's an extraordinary, extraordinary figure. And this is just to protect uh, and serve the interests of the, of the established doctors uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, the cost of the uh, the people of Hong Kong, or the cost of the of the public health system in Hong Kong. The uh, government has actually uh, employed uh, thirty plus uh, doctors from uh, overseas to work in the XA, and uh, uh, this is on limited reg registration, which means that they do not have to take the exam to come back to Hong Kong for at least uh, uh, three years in a row. Uh, and none of their renewal contract has ever been. Uh, is allowed. So uh, there's no, the, the problem is not uh, overseas doctor coming back. The problem is overseas coming back with or without exam. And if you don't, don't want to take the exam, you, you can just join the government and, uh, and work as long as the government employs you. But right now, the government has, over the last three or four years, they've only been able to employ uh, 30 plus doctors. So this is a, a, a big question mark. Uh, for the government, whether they, whether with this new system, to uh, to to entice uh, these doctors to return, whether this will work, I, I have uh, strong skepticism that uh, they will not be able to uh, employ uh, or to uh, entice uh, too many doctors to return. Okay, uh, thoughts from listeners then. On Facebook, Henry says, I fully support the government proposal to allow overseas doctors to come to Hong Kong to practice. Uh, these doctors are qualified to practice in overseas countries, i.e. they are qualified to treat citizens in those countries. The repeated claim by Hong Kong doctors that overseas doctors have this or that problem to shun them away, at least to ordinary people, is rubbish. Are the lives or bodies of people in overseas countries different from Hong Kong citizens? In colonial days, Commonwealth-educated doctors can practice in Hong Kong, but no longer post-1997. Why? The issue lies in Hong Kong medical profession refusal or unacceptably trying to slow solving the problem for their own interest. Just to borrow I mean, the phrase... I have to stop you there. Yeah, I, I think it's not a, a matter of the Hong Kong doctors. I think it's the government. Because when you switch over to China, uh, uh, Hong Kong being part of China, you do not have... It, it's not 
is not politically acceptable to accept uh, Commonwealth doctors to mm. practice without accepting the whole of uh, China doctors. There's over over 100 uh, medical schools in China. Okay. Uh, some uh, more comment. Henry also says, I do hear case where a UK-trained doctor find the workload in public hospital night duties way harder than they experience in the UK and left government service after three months. To leave for the reason of workload too hard for a doctor is to me a disgrace for them. For comparison, business executives face being fired if they don't deliver or meet targets. The doctors should be laughing that they have fat pay with low risk of being fired. That's uh, from uh, Henry. Uh, Johnny uh, says um, uh, I fully uh, sorry I think we've read that one actually uh, yeah sorry uh, Jean says the discussion on foreign doctors does not take into account the performance of the doctor while in Hong Kong as the deficiencies are in the public sector it may be prudent to keep the limited registration for 10 years with a review every two yearly if the department no longer wants to continue to hire that doctor perhaps it would be better to let him or her go while in Hong Kong, should the doctor want to go to private practice earlier, he or she could take the exam. Maybe a waiver of internship could be considered uh, in this case. That's uh, from uh, Jean. Uh, Matthew says, let's be honest, with the direction Hong Kong is headed, how many doctors from top universities are going to choose to return here with or without an exam? Close to none. As the doctor in the first half subtly pointed out, this is basically creating a backdoor to add mainland doctors to the list in future without needing to meet the high standards of the exam. And uh, Jim says, medically qualified and experienced medical personnel, regardless of nationality, should be welcomed in any expanding community. That can uh, from Jim. Yeah, we, I, I seem to remember Donald's children uh, were qualified overseas and had uh, had problem coming back, and also the Tommy ex- Chang, no, Tommy, Tommy Chang, yeah, yeah, but Donald, Donald as well, the chief executive. Uh, yeah. It does seem strange to a lot of people that a Hong Kong person who studied. Uh, overseas and got the great qualification and comes back and is treated as if he's uh, not a Hong Kong person. The door is closed. Mm. All right. Well, the door, well, yeah, well, the well, door has never closed. The door has never been closed. The examination is an open system. We have candidates uh, coming from all over the world, including Eastern European blocs, Africans, Pakistani and Indians. Every country in the world have uh, 10 days serving for the exam here in Hong Kong. Is this really going to make it easier for mainland doctors to practice this this system? Because there will be uh, some mainland hospitals uh, will get very good reputation. We do not know uh, what the list of uh, uh, medical schools uh, uh, the supposedly uh, ad hoc committee will choose. So we can say at this point in time. Right. Okay, S says doctors need to be able to communicate with patients properly. Just wondering if there'll be a language problem. There'll be a, a local person around to translate everything for them. If so, then what about the human resources? As the translator would need to have bad, uh, basic medical knowledge. That's from uh, S. But under this proposal, it's it's basically it's Hong Kongers, isn't it? It's people with permanent residency anyway, uh, who who studied overseas. 
uh, who would be who would be uh, allowed back into uh, Hong Kong. Uh, Jay says it was the same with the nurses. Many passed their exams, but I think it was around 97% failed their practical exam. The reason being Hong Kong does something the rest of the world doesn't. That's from uh, Jay. Um, uh, Dr Choi, uh, do you have any sense, because uh, a couple of uh, people there were mentioning that they expected uh, doctors to uh, to leave Hong Kong, there'd be a, an outflow of, of doctors uh, to Hong Kong who might emigrate along with other professionals. Do you have any information on whether that's the case? And if so, does that mean we need to make extra efforts to bring in uh, doctors? Well, um, that, uh, that, uh, there is words that uh, uh, middle middle-class doctors uh, who, is, uh, who are specialists uh, uh, considering leaving Hong Kong uh, because of the political climate. Uh, what we are doing back may be just uh, junior doctors to become uh, working hands uh, for the HA. Uh, this is uh, sort of alarming, but uh, we will have to wait for about two or three years to see because it takes that much Okay. Well, Dr. Choi Gabriel Choi, thank you very much indeed for joining us, President of the Hong Kong Medical Association. Um, thanks very much. A uh, couple of uh, emails on other topics. First of all, Kenny, uh, who says, Many of your listeners have been highly critical of the government's continued reluctance to open up beaches. It's hard to disagree with that view. To illustrate how nonsensical this policy is, please find attached a photo taken yesterday morning of a beach in Stanley. As you see, the beach is busy, with several groups of more than two people. This is an ungazetted beach and is hence presumably not subject to the government's ban. But by closing all the gazetted beaches... Uh, government is simply pushing families to smaller and gazetted beaches which have no lifeguards and so on hopefully after the chinese new year break the government will lift the beach ban as we relax the two table uh two per table restaurant restrictions and allow eateries to offer evening dining that is uh from uh kenny and uh, a message uh, from Matthew, which is an on-air response to correspondent Johnny. Matthew says, uh, on Friday's back chat, a newish-sounding correspondent using the name Johnny wrote an email which included familiar insults poorly disguised as compliments for listeners, Mike and Bowen, as well as a direct insult for me, all dressed up in a humorous satirical package on a par with Nuri's more recent work. Johnny asked us to believe that he and his colleagues sit in their office listening to to back chat every day playing a game where Johnny puts $20 in a jar every time an email from me references the CCP. That sounds fun, Johnny, and rest assured I'll give you a few more CCPs in this email so you get so get your 20s ready. And just so you understand, I use the term CCP because I want to very deliberately separate my concerns and criticisms of those who currently lead China from the country itself and its people because I like both the mainland and mainland people. I don't know if your fictional office mates might possibly also have names that were popular 50 years ago, like Tom and Herman. But you can all rest assured that I won't be changing this approach, so you'll be buying them many more lunchboxes from Café de Corral using the money in your CCP jar. Guess what, Johnny? I also have my own game. Every day when I hear a backchat correspondent using similar white male-sounding names popular in the 1970s, making almost identical arguments and insults in different messages, I too put $20 in a jar. And you know what? 
There's more money in my jar than yours. Boys, you'll have to do better than this if your office hopes to have any real persuasive or influencing effect as an output from its collective work. By the way, that's five CCPs uh, in this message. That's uh, from... That includes the... One, two, three, four... uh, In that last line. I made it more than that. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's six. Uh, Matthew, thank you very much indeed for that. Backchat.rthk.hk is our email uh, address. Finally today, we wanted, as mentioned... To talk about uh, minimum wage, uh, the administration announced last week that uh, the minimum wage will be frozen uh, at uh, $37.50 for the first time since its introduction in uh, 2011, which means that the hourly wage rate will stay the same for two more years. That's until May 2023. The the current rate was set in May 2019. Uh, For comment, we're joined now by Suzanne Wu is a Yamate district councillor. But so good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you much indeed for, for joining us. Uh, what do you make of this decision not to increase the minimum wage? Uh, the, the, the argument given that we're in extraordinary uh, uh, economic circumstances and uh, we basically we can't afford a higher minimum wage. I, I think this frozen of minimum wage means that the grassroots workers in the community will remain the same income level for four years. Because this is not just two years in the past, but the, few, but the coming two years. So we can foresee that it will highly attack their living standards because uh, even you see the rents keep rocketing even in such a economic situations. Um, this is uh, quite horrible for the grassroots worker because they are not um, having enough expenditure already and because of the uh, COVID-19 they do not have stable work and the casual worker they don't have enough uh, work time and the, so we, what we foresee is they are suffering from the decline of the living standard but at the same time um, the Wages didn't go up in the future two years, in the coming two years. Mm. This is, um, I think, this is not acceptable. Miss Wu, good morning. Do you think there's a case for the government to push uh, the minimum wage higher in order to bring a measure of relief? We have a very substantial poverty gap at the moment, don't we? Mm. I think the government should at least raise. the, the minimum wage, but the amounts, I think they can discuss with others, but they do not push for discussion. When they see the business sector and the uh, unions and in the uh, minimum wage commission cannot come to a consensus, they just let them uh, put, uh, put this aside. I don't see the government is trying hard to push for a consensus. And they are willing to see that uh, they cannot come to a conclusion, show that they have an excuse to frozen the minimum wage. In fact, by the, uh, pa- uh, by the law, the government, the chief executive, in fact, can still suggest a ways in minimum wage to the legislative council to amend the bill, mm-hmm. to amend the, reg- uh, the uh, annex of the uh, regulation. So we don't see the government really care about this situation and really push 
for a little bit higher uh, of uh, increase, uh, uh, right. an increase of minimum wage. A few years ago, the government began uh, contracting out more, mm. more and more activities rather than having them done by civil servants. Do you think that's also that, that competition element, has that pushed down general wage levels? Uh, for the outsource part, uh, uh, like cleaning service and security service, because uh, last year they uh, changed the marking, mar uh, marking scheme. So there's uh, a little bit, uh, they have a, a raise in wages in the new contract. But for the old contract, uh, they remain a quite low level, around 9,000. So uh, it is. Uh, it depends. The government do not have the commitments to change all the outsource contract to a reasonable wage level at one time. They they fade out the new uh, old contract, and the, the new contract have a better wage level, but the old contract still have a bad level. So this uh, compare when we compare the new contract and the old contract worker, they they have quite. Uh, the old contract worker is quite un unsatisfactory about this because their work is so similar and almost the same, but just because they are old contract, they have like two or three thousand less than those right. who work in the next district. But when, when those contract. contracts expire, because mm -hmm. they're all time limited, presumably mm -hmm. the higher rate will be included the next time the government goes to tender for that contract. We hope so, but actually, because for some ten, uh, contract they last for like three years, so there's still two years to go or one and more years to go. I think the government should give an uh, extra uh, extra subsidies to those old contracts because for the outsource company, they just take the money and then raise the wage. So um, I think the government should take the. Uh, check the responsibility and then give some extra subsidies to those old contracts in order to make it level for the old and new contract. It can uh, sustain, substantially help a lot of grassroots workers, especially they are work for the public. They are most dangerous in those COVID-19 situations. They take the rubbish, they clean the floor. So I think it is also a, a reasonable reward for them uh, to work with us in such an, an extreme social situation. Okay, well, uh, Suzanne Wu, thank you for joining us. Uh, Yamate District Councillor, thank you very much indeed. Mike, thank you very much. I can't believe our, our listeners are betting against each other and competing and putting money in jars. It's quite a social force. Yeah. <laughs> of sorts, yeah. Uh, the weather before we go, sunny periods today, coastal mist patches uh, around uh, at first, uh, warm during the day uh, with a maximum temperature of about 24 degrees uh, and the outlook showers will become frequent later tomorrow and the rain will be heavy at times uh, on Wednesday and then the weather will improve and it'll be warm during uh, Lunar New Year's Eve and the Lunar New Year holidays. 19 degrees at the moment, relative humidity now at 82%. The Greater Bay Area Youth Employment Scheme provides Hong Kong residents awarded bachelor's degrees or above in 2019 to 2021 with job and career opportunities in the Greater Bay Area mainland cities. The scheme's job vacancies offer salaries of at least $18,000 per month. Employers may apply for an allowance. For details, visit the Labor Department's website at jobs.gov.hk slash gbayes or call 2969-0446.
9.32, the news with Samantha Butler. Results from COVID-19 tests are still coming in after authorities ended overnight lockdowns at three residential blocks in Mongkok, Quarry Bay and Hongham. The lockdowns ended between 6.30 and 7.30 this morning and so far four preliminary cases have been found. Police have warned of a new kind of romance and investment scam with victims' losses last year totaling $85 million. Officers say con artists meet people online, form a relationship and persuade the victims to invest in dubious mobile phone apps controlled by the syndicates. And President Biden says there's no reason for the United States to be drawn into conflict with China. He told CBS television he'd not spoken to his Chinese counterpart since becoming president and he'd not changed his stance towards Beijing. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Hi. Good morning. And good morning to you too. How are you doing? Excellent. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting me to your show. Oh, you? Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you and welcome to the last few rat days for now on Morning Brew. Well, we're going to begin as always today with our weekly rugby news from Hong Kong Rugby's CEO to the stars, Robbie McRobbie. That's after 10. 10.30 plus, we're off to New York for all the latest from author and columnist Tracy Kwan today, Soviet chess players and an anarchist filmmaker. 11.30 onwards, we're going to welcome back renowned Australian concert pianist Christian Chong. Although today he's going to have his ABC Classic FM radio head on as we're going to talk about his favourite animal music. Why not? It's all the rage. We're going to feature one of the musical giants of the 20th century who was also born in the Year of the Ox. And we're going to dig out Carnival of the Animals, but not the really well-known ones. I mean, for instance, there's one about kangaroos. Got to play that. And oddly, there's one about piano players. Got to play that. <laughs> anyway, our Paris Bureau Chief Neil Runciman with me after 12. Normally, he wouldn't be on till next week, but it seems that so much has gone on in Europe health-wise over the past few days that it makes sense to chat today. New music to kick off from the Kings of Leon. Mm-hmm. 